0: This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by SupportingCast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts.
1: And special thanks to PM22 virtual ticket presenting sponsor, Amazon Music.
2: Welcome, everybody. Uh, Great to to be with you today. Hope you're having a fantastic conference. My name is Jason Suhoy. I am the CEO and co-founder of Supercast, uh, the preferred subscription platform uh, for some of the most well-monetized podcasts in the world. Uh, and I have the privilege of being joined here by Jesse Brown, uh, the uh, founder and host of Canada Land Podcast Network, uh, which is funded primarily uh, by its listeners. Um, and so I- I'm super excited for this session today because Jesse has... Uh, a very uh, inspirational story, uh, which really is founded on the premise of listener support. So we're going to go through that, Um, we're going to talk about, you know, how Candleland was effectively saved by its listeners, but then how he turned that into an opportunity to create, you know, a thriving network of over 15 shows uh, today. So one of the things that I love about Jesse is he's so open book. you know, we're going to really go behind the curtain, talk about like his revenue numbers, his download numbers, uh, some of the the takeaways that he's learned over his eight years of uh, building a thriving subscription business um, and and really dig into it. So uh, Jesse, I might turn it over to you. Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about what what Candleland Network is today?
0: Yeah, I mean, we're a podcast network and as as mentioned, listener supported. Um, You know, I'm so glad uh, to be here with you. And what I want everybody to leave with is, like, it's shocking to me. This is one of the only sessions at this conference about paid subscription. I think it's a huge opportunity for podcasters. Um, I think that there's way too much of an overfocus on advertising. So I just want to, like, make sure that we cover tons of takeaways and actionable information for people who want to start building paid subscription business for your podcast because it's... It's the backbone of what we do. It's the it's uh, as you mentioned, Jason. It's the it's our primary revenue source. That we have an ad business as well, um, and it's something that we started very early, one year in. So it's the entry point. I think is is really accessible as well.
2: Awesome. So, w- how did, what is Canada Land about? How did, and and uh, how did that all come about?
0: Yeah. So I my my background is in public radio. I was a CBC radio host, and I uh, at a certain point decided that I wanted to change beats from technology to covering media itself and there was no media covering media in Canada and I had a lot of trouble uh, selling the idea to editors and producers, public radio, newspapers, nobody seemed to want to do like an on the media kind of a thing in Canada and so uh, nine years ago now I, I, I set off on my own, I was just another person with a podcast, you know fairly early on but not at the very beginning of podcasting and. Um, The show uh, became a place to have like kind of like a WTF of journalists Uh, The original vision was we would just sit around and drink or have kind of like the conversations that reporters have at a bar after work but it very quickly became a place where we broke stories about the media and uh, I I Found myself doing investigative journalism, which I hadn't done before there's a, a lot of twists and turns but really the inflection point where it went from being my podcast to a company and now there's you know, 15 full-time employees and a whole bunch of freelancers and contractors and, and a whole fleet of podcasts was a year in when I had this problem of success. I had, uh, you know, the podcast was doing uh, more, that the listenership was just growing and growing. The stories were, you know, making headlines outside of Canada land. Uh, but our sponsor, we, I, we had this small sponsorship deal when we launched, it had run out. I had no idea how to even begin, like podcast advertising didn't exist in Canada at the time. And so it was just this moment of like, like, this is taking up more of my time and it seems to have this bigger audience than ever, but I'm losing money every time I do this, so h- how do we make this work?
2: Yeah, and um, you know, if, you, if, uh, if, if I can go back to some of the early quotes that are and, and is now proudly featured on your About page, uh, this is a quote from the Toronto Star, which just gives you uh, an essence, I guess, of uh, a little bit of uh, Jesse's personality. But, you know, like, smug, loudmouthed, easy to dislike. And uh, that was a good review. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I love how that you own it, and, you know, you put that uh, right there on your, your
0: About no, page. We, you know, we have a combative, uh, we, we hold the press to account, and it was not something that the Canadian media was used to. So when we were mentioned at all, we were mentioned pejoratively. And so we collected all of the negative reviews, and we put them on our web page.
2: Yeah, it's so great. Clearly, a thousand true fans, in, 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 the, in the truest sense. So um, I'm going to take us back. So Jesse's already described, you know, a little bit about um, how he, he got started, um, and you know how early on, you know, there was a problem. And um, I'm going to take us back to episode 51. So Canterlands around 800, 808 episodes now in the flagship show.
0: Yeah, the flagship shows in the 800s now.
2: Right. So I'm going to take us back to 2014 uh, to to. And we're going to listen to a little bit. I've just clipped segments out of episode 51 um, and where you can hear uh, Jesse, you know, just clearly outlining his need uh, to his listeners, inviting them into, you know, the, the situation that he was in um, and then articulating, you know, where he sees, you know, the future of canland going. Uh, so here we go.
0: Guys, there is no good reason for the show to go away. There just isn't. There are now 10,000 of you listening to this every week. That number just keeps growing. There are freelancers coming to me all the time with amazing story ideas, things that need to get discussed but which aren't getting discussed, which no one else will cover. There is a steady flow of leaked information that I'm receiving, documents and tips and information from inside newsrooms and inside media organizations, things that people who work in these organizations want the public to know about but can't disclose themselves. And there is this constant encouragement that I receive through your emails, on Twitter, that this show is wanted, that it's hitting a nerve, that people want me to keep going with this. And on my end, all I want to do is keep going with this. This is thrilling. I'm having the time of my life doing this show. Everything is just going incredibly well. It's beyond my expectations. The numbers, the response is beyond what I imagined when I started this. And it's just not working. Financially, everything is working but this one dumb thing. And I don't accept it. I don't accept that you can have supply, I want to make the show, demand, 10,000 people want to listen to it, and we can't figure out a way to keep it around. So I figured out a way.
2: 10,000 listeners, and and yet, you know, Jesse has a problem. So uh, just a couple more short clips that, you know, uh, Jesse goes on to to articulate uh, in terms of what he sees for the future.
0: If we can get it collectively up to $1,000 a month, then the show lives on. I stop losing money on it every week, and Canada Land lives. But I want to do more than that. There are some long-term goals with this show. I would like to do this full-time, and if we can get $4,000 committed per month to this show, I will do it full-time. Now, for me, that's a dream job. This is what it means for you. The show will get a lot better. I like making documentaries. I've only had a chance to do it twice. Once with that oral history of Vice Magazine and once with that very short documentary about The Grid. Now, those are two of the most popular episodes that I've posted, so I have some idea that you guys like that stuff, too. I would like to do a lot more by way of radio documentary. I would like to do more investigative reporting. There are some revelations that have come to me that are shocking, but which require a commitment to doing the journalism, to check them out, to speak to many sources. I want to get those stories on the air. And there's a goal beyond that. Call it the moonshot goal. Call it the long-term goal. And I don't care if it takes a year, two years, whatever, to get to this level, but I think it can be done. If we can get $10,000 into the show per month, I know that's a big number, but there are, once again, 10,000 listeners to the show. So I think it's possible. I think it's a rational goal. If we get there, $10,000 a month, then Canada Land is no longer just a podcast. Canada Land is a podcast network and a daily news site.
2: Wow, so, I mean, obviously we have the benefit of hindsight now, but you pulled off the moonshot, Jesse.
0: Yeah, God help me. Uh, So, like, when I was reading guides to crowdfunding, and at the time, you know, it was like mostly Kickstarter and Indiegogo and things like that, they said, okay, like, set the goal for what you need, but don't end there. Come up with something just to kind of, like, make people feel inspired. Like, wow, maybe one day we will be funding this thing. I, I really did not have a, an ambition, like like really, Canada and being my, f- my full-time job was all that I wanted. And I was like, I guess I've got to have a moonshot, so let's do this one. We'll, we'll start a whole network and I'll start hiring people. And uh, yeah, within the year we actually hit it and then I actually had to become a boss of people and you know, God help me. Um, but you know, it, it really, like, w- what I think is instructive about that um, is that the foundation of the business model is partnership with the listenership, and every year since, when we do a crowdfunding campaign, we we kind of lay out like, look, here's what we need. Here's our first goal, you know, uh, for growth. If we if we can convert, you know, a thousand more of you, um, everybody here gets a raise. Uh, you know, like it's it's not about us like launching a new show. It's usually internal. But if we go beyond that, we have an idea we want to do an all indigenous show or something like that and it really it's a way that the listenership votes on what they want us to make and there have been years where they've like got us to one goal but not the next and that like it's a, it's almost like live market research where we're being okay people aren't that excited about that like let's not do that and let's pivot and and offer something else next time and so you know and we're always setting the bar above what what we think we can clear And then the audience sometimes tells us, yeah, we want you to clear that bar. And often it's been a big challenge, but it's kept us in lockstep with the needs and desires of the the audience. And it's built like a tank, like, like listener support. When the pandemic hit, our ad business, which we'd spent years building up, it just crumbled overnight. Like it was the first thing that brands cut was their advertising budget. And we were terrified that our listenership would um would follow suit um because you know if if you're if you're in uncertain times and you're and you're tightening your belt you figure well why do i need to give five bucks a month or nine bucks a month to some podcast that i get for free anyhow our listenership actually grew during the pandemic Um, we because i think we met the challenge of the pandemic and our programming became like what is the best role we could play during this during this uh, crisis and people listened and they and they supported even more so I'm very bullish about this model. I think, I think it's not just a, a great way to monetize podcasts, but I think it's like the right business model for um, a medium that is so much about the relationship and so much about intimacy with listeners.
2: Yeah, so that, let's dive into that a little bit. So, you know, you mentioned the pandemic, you know, advertising, uh, I think you tried advertising a little bit before you turned on subscription?
0: Yeah, I mean, I launched it with FreshBooks as a launch sponsor, and it wasn't like a traditional ad deal where they were like, how many, because you know, the show didn't exist yet. So really, I knew the CEO from my you know, uh, like previous work, and he, he was like, uh, I think, a pretty cool guy who liked to give people a chance to try stuff. Right. So it was sort of like a one-time thing of like, here's a certain amount of money. I hope this works for you. Got it. And then after we ran out of that money, we were not big enough yet to, like, and also just the advertising space was so new that there, there really was no ad podcast business in Canada at the time. But we, we've since built a robust um, ad business internally and with partners. And we, we, we think a lot about our ads, we do only host red ads, we care about our ads, but it's still, the listener support is the chief revenue.
2: Right, so let's, I mean, let's, uh, uh, so this is, this is
0: Jesse's
2: first crowdfunding pitch, so everything that he mentioned, everything that we heard, you know, put down on paper in terms of his commitment. Uh, or his, you know, his moonshot goal to to launch a podcast network. If he gets ten thousand uh, dollars per month, I don't know whether that laugh, you know, is uh, confidence or a- anxiety or what. But, um, but you know, like this is this is if this is not rock solid growth, I don't know what is. You know, like can can anybody here spot the pandemic and the effects of the pandemic? You know that every it looks like every three years you've consistently doubled the revenue that you know you've got from from subscribers all the way up to now $50,000 in monthly subscriber revenue or $600,000 per year which is just extraordinary yeah
0: yeah and we're we're, we're somewhat uh, above that now like it, it's incredibly predictable and uh in the in the early days i just sort of thought like <sighs> could this all go away tomorrow, or, or um, you know, it, it, were we just like kind of lucky the first, like every time we go to our crowd, like we do it sort of like NPR or PBS, where there's like a crowdfunding campaign each year. Um, so every time we, lo- we go into the campaign, I'm like, is this, is this going to stop working? Like I feel like we have this like special secret, like I'm, I'm from news, and everybody in news is like there is no financial model for news. We've tried nothing, and we're all out of ideas. Nothing, nothing works. And I feel like, well, we have a working business model. It, it It just works, it's micro, you know, but it's it's we hire new people every year we, we you know and we grow every year. so uh why isn't everybody doing this? Um, and I've seen like here and there uh there like other success stories, and I feel like there is a toolkit that you know if you kind of like can kind of hit certain benchmarks, it will work
2: right, and you know like while they're you know, this is obviously up and to the right, and it, you know, looks very consistent. I'm sure, you know, there were inflection points along, along the way. You know, could you, you know, describe some of the, the major ones
0: that stick out to you? Sure. I mean, the, the interesting thing is that when we launched, um, we were on uh, Patreon. And, you know, the big fear with the first pitch is like, w- podcasts, first of all, we give it away for free. Our impact our growth is based on giving it away for free like we're gonna we're gonna limit our own growth if we don't give it away for free and the fact that we're actually influencing the news cycle would stop if it was paywalled but more than that it was impossible to paywall it it was early in in podcast tech where like I mean there might have been some hacks but like you know our our audience didn't want us to paywall it like they, they were enjoying the excitement of the thing watching the thing grow and when they paid us Um, that was the fun of paying us was was like wow I funded this thing and it's growing so you know we had this issue of like are people gonna pay for something that they get for free and and they did Um, what what happened though is that they would pay for it and feel like okay I've done my part I've paid for it and then we had a lot of churn and we would lose people at a pretty accelerated rate over the course of the year as the tech improved and as we moved over to Supercast we found ourselves able to offer more and more things like an ad-free version, premium version, bonus content, uh, access to live events. Uh, We're going to be launching like a Slack channel where you can hang out with our journalists. So all of those things, you know, and then of course, merch, 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 you know, like nobody, nobody supports NPR for the tote bag, but they really like the tote bag. You know, if they don't get the tote bag, they're a little pissed. So, um, you know, we've we've had fun with merch. We do the tote bag and the socks, but we've also done a craft beer. Um, naturally, it was a sour beer. We did uh, we did a unisex fragrance. We did eight bottles of Canada Land. The smell for our uh, $50 among the supporters. I, you know, and for a while I thought it was about this swag, but it's not. It, like it really is mission based, and I think that that's transferable. In a way that's compatible with like podcast ethos. Like, you know, who has an incredibly difficult time getting people to pay for free podcasts? Big brands. Big like, who wants to give some multinational entertainment company like, oh, I, I connect with this podcast from this major Hollywood studio. Let's give them five bucks a month or nine bucks. Like, that's a really really hard uh, case to make, and you know, they so they have to make it about. Um, exclusivity like you can binge our, our new bingeable series right now if you give us money well that'll work they'll binge the series and then they'll kill their, 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 their um, membership you know because you don't have that same attachment to some major brand but if you have welcomed a podcaster into your life into your home and I don't care like you know we have our own mission it's about independent journalism it's about media accountability but I kind of feel like every podcast has some level of intimacy. Where, if you level with your audience, whether it's about you know uh, parenting or pets or about politics, whatever it is, it's you that they're that they're tuning in for. And if you kind of just like make your case as to why this is worth supporting, um, people will pay for something they get for free.
2: Yeah, that that is something that you
0: are quite frankly a master at. Uh, you know, we've we heard it during you know your very first pitch I was so nervous for that pitch I felt like I was like like putting a hat out on a street corner I I felt like I was begging and now I am shameless I'm sh- <laughs> I, shameless now
2: Yeah so talk to us about that you know like how y- you've obviously
0: you know evolved that
2: over time uh, how do you think about constructing a
0: good pitch I mean I, I kind of work on it in my head over over the course of the year. Like and and I, as I said, like it has to be true. So I'm like, what what is our value? You know, and it's always it's always evolving. So originally it was, you know, a very specific niche thing of like somebody needs to hold the media to account. Um, but as we've grown and we have like my colleagues make these amazing shows where like, you know, we're platforming voices you do not hear elsewhere, where we, we you know we've done things during the pandemic that others were not doing and we're breaking stories, and like, it, every year it changes a little bit. So like right now I'm thinking about, we're coming up on our next crowdfunding campaign, and I'm just thinking about, like, what is special? Why should people, it's a good question for any podcaster to ask, like why, why is this worth something? Why should people fund this? And uh, you know, I'm always refining the pitch. Right now in my head it has something to do with the fact that society is just getting so divisive, and everything is just like getting so shallow, and messages are so short. And podcasting is a special, like it's going completely against the trends and the currents. It's in depth, it's 30, 40 minutes. It's it's like we would be boring as hell if we just told you like a partisan political message. You know, this is a place where we talk to people who we don't necessarily agree with and we try to talk. So I'm thinking about that, I'm, I'm thinking about we are unique and we're giving people something they're not getting elsewhere because this is still a place where free inquiry happens, where discourse happens where we're, we're wrestling with well should we platform this person is that dangerous but we don't just shut the door we're always we're, we're curious so I'm, I'm trying to think about like a way that's going to connect with people and, and present value there and then you move to the practical side of it right which is twofold are we gonna launch any new shows are we gonna like go from bi-weekly to weekly we have a French language show that we're looking to make more frequent um, are we gonna send you different stuff you know can you come to our events uh, we, we, we just hired our first COO who talks about community, and he and I have squabbles about, like, everyone talks about community, community, community. I'm like, I don't know if they're a community. Like, like, they're a listenership. But there is something more than just a bunch of people who happen to listen to the podcast. Like, these are, you know, these are people who have independently chosen to, tr- to, to be a part of something different than what they're getting from the mainstream media. And they have, like, p- people run into each other on the street and they've, you know, if, if they each are wearing a Canada Land T-shirt, and they have something to talk about. So we're thinking about whether you want to call it a community or something else. It's, it's kind of like, what can you do if you want to have a space for conversation and, and fact-based discourse? There's not a lot you can do. You know, there's like, magazines aren't around anymore, newspapers. Like, wh- what can you do? This, this is one thing you can do. You can support us. How is that? Is that going to work? I'm just sort of improving here. Yeah, no, I,
2: I, I think that's great. I mean, um, I think just the, and, and for any of us in the audience, you know, like, I guess you heard it here from Jesse, so, you know, that's, you're right up with the latest trends of, you know, how to, uh, uh, you know, pitch kind of getting away from, from mainstream media. Feel free to take it and run with it. Um, but, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, the anxiety, you know, like, of the initial pitch versus, you know, being kind of shameless about it today. For someone that's just starting out, you know, we hear this time and time again. You know, this the act of asking for money, you know, asking for support. How how would you guide
0: them in overcoming that? I mean, you know, the, I, the fear is real. Nobody wants to be that one crowdfunding uh, campaign where you ask for a thousand dollars and it's like ten dollars, and you know, it's the person's uncle who sent it. Um, you know, it's a very public form of like, you know, I don't know. Our stats were public originally, and and uh, now I think. Uh, I know, we, we disclose it every year anyhow. Get over it. I mean, the, the very act of publishing a podcast is you're saying, okay, I'm here. I want to be listened to. I'm, I'm I'm on the shelf with a million other podcasts. So I, I think you've already made that leap. And, you know, the very act of publishing a podcast is this has value and deserves your attention. Uh, otherwise, why would I put it here? So if it has value, let's actually reflect that value. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it, it's okay to... Um, be transparent about your anxiety about it it's okay to be transparent it might even help to be like i'm afraid this isn't going to work but i want to keep going with this or whatever the pitch might be i think that only helps uh when you make that first you know kind of nervous but you know what it's not like that analogy that i had in my head of like i'm i'm um, i mean there's nothing wrong with buskers i'm very like in fact i really like you know buskers but you know there's nothing worse than a bad busker, and you, you don't really have consent as to whether or not they're playing music. Out, you know, and, and you're eating at a patio. They're listening to your podcast already. They already chose you. You know, it's not like uh, a non-consensual. You know, like like out of all the millions of podcasts out there, they chose to listen to you, and so to ask them to participate in in a way of like strengthening that relationship and fueling you like it's okay and and now it's a totally different atmosphere because people are more used to digital subscriptions and they're more used to paying for digital content. so I think that like it's a thing it's only in your head the, the the hesitation is is only like a personal matter
2: yeah, that's uh great to i mean and 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 then we you know when we talk about i guess them being a subscriber to you know maybe not a community as you put it um do you what emphasis do you place on you know connecting with a community on on being in touch with them, being able to uh, you know like just just get feedback from them one way or another.
0: Yeah, it, it's crucial, and you know we've we've kind of baked it into the, to our practice. We thank uh, a handful of supporters every episode by name, if they want us to, and then we hear from one of the supporters at like a higher level, where they say why they support Canada Land. Um, in the early days when the numbers were manageable. I would send handwritten notes with, like, you know, send them a poster or a T-shirt with a handwritten note. Uh, Certainly the live events being accessible and available. Um, You know, it's, um, I'm I'm answering, you know, like, uh, the message at the end of Canada Land used to be, here's my email address, it's my only email address, Um, if you you send me an email, I'll write you back, I promise. And then that became impossible, so, you know, it became, um, you know, I'll write you back if I can. And now it's, uh, send me an email. I promise you I will read it. <laughs> and which is, like, I only want to make promises I can keep. So that's where we're at now. And it's, it's, it's even, it can be, depending on the week, it can be difficult to read them all. Um, but, but, but I do. And it's not merely, like, I don't know, fan service. Because every now and then we get an amazing story idea. Patreon, it's, like, the idea to crowdfund it through Patreon came from a listener. Like, I didn't even know that, that it was possible to have monthly recurring payments from listeners until a listener told me about that. So it's, it really and truly is a partnership with the community. That's incredible. Um,
2: so I, I want to save some time for questions from the audience. So start thinking uh, if you've uh, got something in mind. Um, but just to, to narrow it down now to some, you know, kind of key takeaways. If, if you were back at that episode 51 you know, kind of moment, 10,000 lessons, you know, struggling financially. Would you do anything differently?
0: That, that's like, uh, I think about it a lot because there was, there was a, a fork in the road where Canada Land could have been like, do I really want to be a media boss? Do I really want to be a publisher? Because there are certainly no shortage of podcasts where it just was built around one host's personality and they just got bigger and bigger and bigger around that. So, I, I, you know, I, I think about like, well, what if I had grown this more of like a WTF kind of way where it was just about the show that I host and making that more frequent and, you know, better. Um, because of course, like running a company and having employees and, you know, uh, publishing all these different shows has been bumpy and difficult and I've, I have no training in management. So I think like, man, I should have done that. And then I'm like, you know what? it's been the challenge of my life to be equal to the role that our listeners have hired me for. And uh, it would have been an easier road to just build my personal brand, but I think it would have destroyed my soul. And uh, <laughs> like, everybody the gets trade-offs. tired of podcast host eventually. And and when I look at the people who've come through the company with us now, or who we given their first time on the air, like like there's just journalists at some of the greatest organizations in the world, and the stories that they've, they've broken for us. and. I don't know. It it, it it it's worth it, but it was like that was the fork in the road, and I, I like I said, I threw up that ten thousand dollar. I'll I'll start hiring people without like a second thought about what it actually meant.
2: Any uh, last takeaways for you know people that are thinking about you know taking taking the leap into premium subscription?
0: Yeah, I mean, I want to be as, like, and, and in questions, I want to answer as granular and technical questions as you have. But to break it down, it's not like this was, like, done with a grand strategy. But if I, if I reverse engineer it, there was the up, there is a strategy, um, you know, <laughs> that I didn't know that I was doing at the time. But I think it, like, uh, you can look at it like this. Your magic number, if, if you want to be a full-time, t- full uh, I think is 10,000, 10,000 listeners, which we hear that number a lot. Uh, for advertising too, that seems to be the, the the number at which advertisers start taking you seriously. But if you've got 10,000 listeners, there is a very good chance that if they are choosing to listen to you regularly, that one in ten of them—I think that's your goal—it's it, a high conversion rate, but that is our conversion rate—that one in ten of them will pay you five bucks a month to do it. Right? So that's a thousand people giving you five bucks a month. That's sixty thousand dollars a year. It's a salary. Not a great one, but, it's, but but not a terrible one either. That's full time work. That, so if you're talking about like, do I want like, what is the road to being a professional audience-supported podcaster? Ten thousand is your number. So you can do it earlier and, and 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 test the waters. But I think that that's like if you want to know for sure. And by the way, failure helps too. Like if you are consistently getting ten thousand listeners and they won't convert, that tells you something about the kind of podcast you're building. are like, okay. People will listen to it, but they don't feel that way about it. So I think this is going to be an advertiser-based podcast. What we need to do now is get to a hundred thousand. Uh, you know, like that'll tell you. Um, so ten thousand is the number, and then I think uh, you, you know you get into finer points, which I'm happy to discuss with everybody here about bonus content, um, about about uh, you know premium feeds, about what are the extras, how do you retain people. Um, but I think that's your goal, and then I think you just want to be really purposeful. About what your stretch goals are, how you want to grow, and I, I think that like interaction with the audience is the best way to to, to learn that.
2: All right, let's take some questions from the audience. Uh, great, we have uh, a mic running around. Uh, while we wait, this is this is a look at you know the fifteen podcasts in the network today. Um, some some stunning artwork. Uh, but hi,
0: hello. This was
1: excellent, by the way. My question is. I'm kind of doing the reverse. We have paid advertisers. So I, have a, I feel weird now asking for our listeners to support the show when we have corporate sponsors. So what advice would you give to me like asking our listeners now, now that they, they know we're supported by ads?
0: Uh, don't worry about it. I mean, we, we had the same uh, issues. When we, when we turned on ad-free, once the technology was available, we had all these advertisers. So I was worried about it in two different ways. One being, are the advertisers going to get pissed off? Uh, because what you're telling people is like, hey, give me money and I'll get rid of these pesky ads. And we were afraid that the advertiser, no one, not one of them complained about that. Um, and, you know, we do host read ads. We have a lot of fun with the ads, and we consider them part of the show. We had people give us money and not do the premium. Like, they stuck with the main feed because they didn't want to miss that part of the show. But a lot of them, ultimately, we did want them to, like, make use of their benefits. Um, the other side of that is, what does that say to you? Like, is your listener less likely to support you because you have advertising? I don't know, marginally so. I think it's just about honesty. I think it's like... You know, I was able to make the argument of, like, you know, we need money or the podcast dies, you know. Um, that's not true anymore, right? So now it's like we've had different pitches over the years and they've always had to be true. Like, we need more money um, because we want to, like, we're having, like, issues with retention of employees and we really want to pay people better here. And, you know, we don't want people to be so overworked. Um, you know, other times it's like we need more money, or we want more money because we want—we uh, have an exciting new project that we want. So no one says, "But you've already got advertisers." Like people, I think understand. Um, you know, like I, I don't think we got one message from somebody being like, "You guys are greedy. You're already getting—you've already got a mattress sponsor. What do you need my money for?" But those people just don't—they just don't do it. You know, like the the ones who understand it are, are are the ones you're going for. Yeah. The other thing I
2: would I would just add to that is it doesn't have to be ad free. Your your premium offering doesn't have to include ad free and we have, we have a number that choose to include their ads for various reasons. Maybe it's you know for advertiser led reasons. Uh, but maybe it's also because people like the ads, you know, some podcasts are just really good at you know cr- curating great offers for their audience that their audience wants to hear about. Uh, you know Tim Ferriss, you know, being a, a classic example of you know everybody wanting to you know to to buy whatever Tim Ferriss buys. Um, so uh, there, there are plenty of other things. You know, it just depends on what is the right fit for your audience. So some of the easier things uh, include um, early access to episodes. Um, we we have one of our one of our biggest creators, uh, Breaking Points, on on Supercast. They release their episodes just one hour early. But if they're like fifteen minutes late with that, they hear about it. You know, so so. That's a three times a week uh, daily news and politics show. You know, like it, obviously that's not going to fit every show. You know, most shows are not that time sensitive. Um, but early access uh, AMAs are another thing that you know really popular on Supercast. Um, you know, we've built a, a platform out that facilitates that, so members can ask questions, upvote questions, you know, hear episodes and, and answers to to what they want to ask about. Um, and then you know, obviously all, all different kinds of bonus content, extended episodes, et cetera, um, that that can round out your offering.
1: Hey, so up there when you had merch options, do you, are those available for the monthly plan or annual? Uh, Both. So if I sign up for, I can't remember what it was, $14 a month with a a t-shirt, you'll send me a t-shirt and I've only given you $14?
0: Yeah, there's some risk involved. Wow, okay. <laughs> and how? You,
1: and what's, have you seen, like you're obviously doing that, so it hasn't been a problem for you.
0: No, I mean, I, I think depending on, it hasn't been a problem for us. Like the whole, like somebody signing up for the merch and canceling, like I don't know if it's ever, I'm sure it's, it's happened, we just didn't notice it. Like the numbers are so minimal. Um, it, like, it, it would be a weird thing to do, I guess. I mean, maybe if it was more of like, if people were like, that's a product that I desperately want, and I found a great hack. But we're so upfront about it. like This is just like an honor system thing, and if you want to, like, screw over the small podcast company, I mean, have at us, I suppose, you know? <laughs> you better wear that T-shirt everywhere, buddy. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, I think that it also just kind of, like, buttresses the ethos of, like, yeah, we trust you, you know?
1: Yeah. I loved your pitch and your stretch goal was to become a podcast network how did you explain to listeners what a podcast network is
0: I didn't really know myself um, but I think we the, the first pitch was the next show that we put out will be a politics show so you know I guess it was kind of like you know we're just gonna have spin-off offshoots you know if, if uh, you know it, it, it seemed to resonate with people um, I don't think I knew what it was in terms of what it what it took to actually Um, find people and and create machinery the whole production machinery that a a, a production house and a news organization needs so um, you know that was an internal part of it but I think that from the listener facing part of it it was just kind of like what we did with media criticism the alternative voice that we brought to it we want to bring that to politics we want to bring that to arts and culture and we've just been kind of going from there
1: Hey, thank you for this. This was super helpful. Um, so, as one thing that I'm, I feel like may happen for my business in the future in Southwest Florida is to create some sort of podcast network. Um, and one of the things that seems daunting is trying to figure out how to do that in a way where um, maybe the hosts still have ownership over the like the intellectual property of those shows and what what way you went about setting that up to kind of protect your business so you can continue growing and if somebody left or something it wouldn't crumble but also where you're not uh going the traditional network route of uh, having it too tight-fisted i don't know i'm trying to find that balance of uh, autonomy for the host so they own it as well uh, without putting myself in a spot where somebody grows and leaves and then my business collapses. So uh, any insight would be great.
0: I mean, it's certainly tricky. Um, What we've done is, um, I mean, in the early days, uh, we had like an employee stock option plan, you know, but that was for our full-time employees. And the hosts often were not the employees. The hosts were often people who were freelance journalists or personalities in their own right who had like three or four different places where they were doing videos or they were on television and then they, you know, and then they would podcast. Um, so it's sort of a traditional, the same agreement that I think a lot of newspapers have with contributors of like, you know, we own these podcasts, we're the publisher of the podcast we can monetize them, you know um, and if you leave we can get somebody else to host the show, but if you want to go write a book about what you've you know, the the journalism you've done here or or, or an essay that you presented that's yours, like what you create you can kind of go spin off into something else Um, and that that sort of worked fairly well, We, we now have like um, our first TV show is going to be coming out this fall and two of our other limited series. All of our stuff is like Canadian politics except for our limited series. So we have like Thunder Bay, Cool Mules, White Saviors, our three shows that have been listened to around the world and which I'm intensely proud of. And all of them are being adapted for, um, for television. And, you know, like there it was kind of more about our own internal moral compass with these things where, yes, like we own the podcast, but we had contributors Um, who, you know, this is their work, too. And so as opportunities opened up on those TV shows, we found, like, ways to involve them in that so that they could be, um, and, you know, along for the growth of that as well, and it's exciting new stuff for them, too. Um, so, so far, it's been okay.
1: So, as a network in a subscription model, can you speak about, sort of, the economics of your hosts? Are they doing is there some pool that they're sharing out of from the subscription revenue with ads it's pretty like split you go 60 40 70 30 whatever
0: we played around with um, incentive based compensation where you know if the show does well um, you know like like he, he here are these targets or you know uh, th- that kind of thing i mean we're we're in a tricky spot because it's generally a no-no in journalistic environments to peg compensation to, like it's sort of like a clickbait formula. If you're like, if you triple your audience, we'll pay you triple. Um, you know, aligned incentives, I think, work everywhere else in business. But uh, for, for us, um, I, I think it would actually be our contributors who would have a problem with that. Uh, so it still does work out that way, in that if the show is flourishing, people know it, and then they ask for raises, and we give it, or we try to get ahead of that. But we're just trying to standardize things. We're, we're a unionized shop now. Um, so we have standard you know uh, negotiated rates for our staff and then when it comes to our hosts we just work out something based on the time commitment. and you've got different kinds of hosts. you know you've got some hosts who if they host a podcast they are working on that podcast all the time. Um, and you've got other hosts who have like 10 other things happening and they can just be like show up to the studio and host a podcast and do a great job and it's like a two- hour commitment a week for them so you know we're always trying to find the thing that works and you know um but you know everybody gets paid
2: so i can see you have a few different uh price tiers how do you think about price and what advice would you have for uh, everyone in the audience
0: you know it, it's a good question like the, we, it's evolving and what you see now we're overhauling completely when we first did it it was really the ethos was like anything you can do like, because it felt like if you're begging, you can't really say like we don't accept anything under five dollars. You know, if you're begging, you'll take whatever, right? So, you know, Patreon was like one dollar a month. We we set the default to get like if it's just one dollar a month. You know, if each of you gave us a dollar, blah blah blah. Um, we've since realized, you know what? If people are gonna like, no one wants to make a one dollar a month credit card transaction. Anyhow, it's weird. Um, so you know, and then you start to like as any business, you're like, what what are people's comfort level and what can we offer them and what is the maximum value and what we've learned is. It's very different, listener to listener. For some people, five bucks a month is like, you know, they have to think about it, and other people, it's just as easy to give 50, right? So uh, w- w- the other thing is I feel like the, the, the layout you see here now, with SOCKS in all capitals with an exclamation point, puts too much emphasis on the damn socks. Like no one is, like I said, no one is supporting us for this. They want the socks, but if, like, it feels too transactional, like you're doing it for the socks and now you're getting a t-shirt. Um, so we're working with, with Supercast, and, and we're coming up with like a way that, that we can actually f- like figure out what is the, the, the maximum amount that you are comfortable giving us every month. And we're not trying to juice it uh, with like upsells to a level where you're not going to be comfortable with it six months from now. We want you to like make a commitment to us for the long term. Like we, we, we have people supporting us who've been supporting us for like five years now. Um, so it's, it's gonna be more of a mission-based messaging where, where it's really like speaking to like, do you wanna be a supporter, do you wanna be a sustainer, do you wanna be a champion, stuff like that, that I think we're, you know, this is like nothing new. We're borrowing this from NPR and PBS and other mission-based organizations. Yeah, we added, uh, with, with Supercast support, we added annual um, subscription uh, with, with a, a, what is it, like a 20% discount or something like that, and that's been incredibly popular with people. Yeah, just,
2: just some quick stats on that. So uh, we have a lot of creators that offer annual. Typically, they will do, uh, you know, like kind of if you're subscribing for a year, you get 12 months for the price of 10. That's like the most typical offer. Um, and across the board, we see 40 to 50% adoption of annual, which... Exactly they don't want the monthly charge it's easier to sign up you know for, for one charge and you know it's obviously a beautiful thing for the creator getting paid for ten, 10 months of revenue you know up front is is just incredible
0: we, we have a minute left and, and if I can hog the space I will um, I, I, like I, I want to just speak in broad terms to why I'm so bullish about this and why I'm open for anybody who wants to talk about this further um, either after this or over email I feel like if everybody views success in podcasting as the biggest audience you could possibly get, then that informs the kind of content you make, right? And, and that's the American market that, where you have this huge potential listenership, and we look at the bright stars of the big success stories of those, in the, you know, so that's what you build it for. And you don't want to go to a premium model or a payroll model because then you're gonna, you, you, might, you might have less of a widespread audience. I'm from Canada, the market is a tenth of the size, right? So it was never, like, that dictated to us that we needed a different model. I think that we need to have more than one way of of reaching success in podcasting. Whether it's because you're doing a geographically based uh, podcast network, or an interest based, that it's not just about going mass, 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 which does influence, let's go for like, I don't want to say lowest common denominator, but the most broadly appealing message possible. You can do higher level, more specific stuff, if you are specifically funded by your, your most passionate listeners. So I, I think there's incredible promise and I wish we saw more development in the space and the more people get used to doing it, I feel like it's like it rises all boats. I want to see more people doing it so that listeners get more used to it. Um, I, I think there's tremendous potential there. Awesome, Thank you. thanks for those
2: last words. We're getting kicked off stage here, so thank you everyone. Please give a round of applause to Jesse. Uh, as you can see, he, he is eager to share, so um, if you want to get in touch, uh, yeah, please, please come on up and have a chat. Thank you.